0: What is up everyone? Happy Friday. I am Charlie Shrem and you are listening and watching Untold Stories where twice a week we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders to understand how this movement came to be and where we're going because this industry is getting more and more complicated every single day. But that doesn't mean that we need to get scared of that and we need to be afraid of that. And that doesn't mean that we can't trade off of the fact that it's getting more complex. And my job here today well really my job all the time is to take all of those complicated topics explain it to you as stories and try to have some fun doing it and I'm really honored that the show is powered by the blockworks group blockworks.co they are a production company that without them untold stories would not be here today and so I love those guys and girls so thank you guys so much for for producing this show and with that I am so Doubly honored to have Dovi on. Dovi. You are. I'm going to give a little introduction about you, but you are one of the most famous people in the crypto space. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time and, and coming on uh, Untold Stories today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Dovi, you are an investor, founder, mentor, advisor, crypto analyst, trader. You're the founding partner of Primitive Ventures, and you're an advisory board member of CoinDesk. You started your career at eBay. And you spent, uh, doing, uh, like from, from building products, really like eBay. It's interesting because, uh, for so long, eBay never had any competition because people didn't really, I guess people were in shock that this concept of having simply a online marketplace where people can bid and just do things with each other. It was just so brilliant and novel at the time. eBay had, it's like eBay moment or whatever. So you've been involved in a lot of these emerging technologies. You're, we were joking earlier, you were saying it like uh, emerging shit coins and stuff. But <laughs> you, uh, uh, I really liked yeah. what you said um, and, and I was wondering if you can repeat it. I asked you, hey, so what are you what are you working on like cool these days? And you gave me such a great answer.
1: Yeah, so I basically just like hopping between like parallel universes and because like, each individual like crypto ecosystem right now is like is living like organism and just a mini universe and, and um so because that I, I think being a, like a trans like cultural person and so i'm able to just um just like hop between like different just like different civilization states it's not just it is like not just like nation states but like civilization states and and so like like that's why I lo- so like that's why I love about crypto as well because that like, you're able to see a lot more beyond just your own background and and just like um, just like your own so basically your own cultural background as well and, and so like that's why I have been like working reading and just like breathing every day
0: yeah you um i like when you said trans transcultural is that is that the where did you get mm-hmm. that from
1: um like transcultural and trans like because I think eventually we so we are moving towards this like transhumanism. Um and so we want to go beyond earth and and so like that is the ultimate goal we have. So like that is the ultimate goal we have as uh human being or a Homo sapiens as like a species, right? And but like before that, because so I have seen a lot of just like misunderstanding and like like misunderstanding, discrimination, like happen purely, is that purely? Be, so is that purely because of, um, like say for instance, like Chinese people really live outside China, and like Western people really live, like in another like non-developed country, right? And, and so I think a lot of things that, like me take so me take for granted, or just like uh considered as like a common sense, and so cannot get so cannot be conveyed easily um like to many Westerners. And and so I think like that's why so I have a term that's informational arbitrage. Um mm. because like we all know how to do arbitrage like when it, so like like we all know how to do um arbitrages between different exchanges or like just like doing pure financial product arbitrage. But I think the most powerful arbitrage nowadays is the informational arbitrage and just like the cultural arbitrage. And um hmm. so a lot of things emerging today in crypto. say for instance, all this social token movement, person token movement, and like NFT and like stuff like that. Um, I have seen such things just like probably through my teenager age. Um, so a lot of this like Asian pop culture, um, just like so they're so they have been around. So they have been around for so many years, but like not in the format of crypto, but it's completely proven business model. Um so I think like the West world has been picking up and and just like um things like BitCloud. And so like Bitcoin has been adopted. So like the BitCloud model has been adopted long before uh in the Japanese like pop culture. And and um so it's just like not surprised to me. And it's kind of like not that interesting and not that exciting to me to be honest. Uh, but I think given this like COVID thing and uh like Western is that Westerners are tend to more outgoing. And so you guys hanging out in the bars and, and and like doing a lot of outdoorsy activity. And, but, but I think like Korean, Japanese, and Chinese. And so they are living in this like cyberspace and just a virtual environment for like so many years. And, and, um, and just that in-game purchase. So if you simply look at the in-game purchase, like GDP, and so like you'll be wow. And and so I think like that's like the future where the all this like crypto movement um is basically moving forward, like because everything's gonna be virtualized and like everything gonna be highly digitized. And and so like this is so like this is how I live through my life, like just since I grew up.
0: DeFi, DeFi, DeFi. You keep hearing me talk about it. And we know at the same time that the stock market is at record highs, but the economy is broken in recession. Government debt is off the charts. They're printing trillions of dollars. We need a new financial system. And I've been talking about it. We've all been talking about it. Decentralized finance. We know that, too. We know that there's like 40 billion dollars in value sitting in all these DeFi protocols. And it's barely a year old it's new decentralized finance and it's brilliant and it works and there's a lot of money to be made in things like yield farming being able to provide liquidity but a lot of them are high risk there's scams and rug pulls that are so common to investors we don't want to repeat what happened a few years ago in the crypto space but what if there was a way to access those DeFi yields in a safe and transparent way? Well, I have the CEO, Tim Frost, of Yield.app, my newest sponsor on the show. Listen to that show and check out Yield.app because here, you have this team that is constantly filtering through all these DeFi investments, they're consolidating your gas fees, and they're only investing in a select few that generate more than 20%. But their risk is not, they're not just investing in these tokens and waiting for them to do well. They're also providing liquidity, they're doing yield farming, all these low risk, high investment to make the uh, infrastructure more efficient and better. So not only are you are investing and making money, but you're also helping to grow this ecosystem. Make sure you check them out at yield.app, that's yield.app, and listen to the untold stories with Tim Frost, the CEO. We have all these coins and tokens, and they sit on all these different blockchains, and we have to keep multiple wallets and different addresses and everything. And the only way to do it without having to do that is trust a centralized place like an exchange or a broker or an app that you use. Well, what if there was a way to do it without having to trust one different place in the ethos of crypto? Cosmos, my sponsor Cosmos, that has been around for so long, they're actually following their original roadmap and being able to offer universal wallet, high-node synchronization, inter-blockchain communication, Bridging Bitcoin and Ethereum together and keeping it all on one wallet being able to build on top of it And do the coolest things possible make sure you check them out at stargate.cosmos.network You can play with all these different features It's so cool and it's really bringing the next wave of crypto and adoption if you really want to be Ahead of everyone else and all your friends make sure you understand the new technology that's coming out stargate.cosmos.network You're gonna love it The biggest problem with DeFi today, as we know it, is there are simply no aggregators or way to bring all of this information and data together so we can trade off of it. We're going to Uniswap and we're clicking sell, sell, sell or buy, buy, buy. I mean, imagine staying up till two o'clock in the morning just so you can make a trade. The folks at Paraswap, my newest sponsor, are doing exactly that. They are the fastest and most liquid aggregator on the Ethereum blockchain. They've built a state of the art algorithm that aggregates all the major decentralized exchanges in order to beat the market price. They are willing to offer you on your first swap a 50% gas refund. Check it out in the show notes. I mean, there's no reason not to use PowerSwap. It's the same thing as using any of these other sites, but you're getting a better price, zero slippage, better swap, safer, faster, more secure. Uh, what's, what's the downside? There is none that I could think of. And you're getting your first swap, 50% gas fees paid for. It solves every problem that I could think of. Make sure you check them out. They're my sponsors. I love them. And I love them even more that they're pushing crypto forward. Let's start from, from when I was a kid. It all starts in the schools. In, in the schools that I grew up in, the, the, the information that was given to us about the Chinese tech community that was taught uh-huh. to us, unfortunately, was just that the Chinese tech community... All they do is copy American innovation and, and counterfeit. Now it is so ignorant and false, but you still hear that prevalent. I just on the radio this morning, I was listening to NPR and, you know, today, I think yesterday, uh, uh, president Xi Jinping and president Biden, uh, premier Xi Jinping and, and president Biden were in Alaska and they, they, uh, their teams were in Alaska talking about something and it ended up the, uh ended up getting into a fighting because yeah. of a cultural, is there, is there the pr- a cultural yeah. reason. It was just simply, you don't embarrass someone on camera. You, no, no matter what that person does, you don't embarrass someone on camera. And I guess the Americans did that. I, I'm not really sure. So in this situation, like where there's an ignorance of information, you're saying that the fact that we are. Like I'm potentially ignorant or I don't know, or I won't seek out the information that I've been taught. The fact that I need to go out and think for myself, the fact that I'm not doing that is how you can make money.
1: Um, okay. So when it comes to informational arbitrage and I think there's, so like the two trends are inevitable and like the first one is. So personally I think like globalization is inevitable and because um it's just like how the market so like the market tends to move towards the so the market tends to move towards like where like the friction is the list, right? Yeah. And and, and so like it will balance like it will so it will basically balance out itself like over time. So I think globalization is like definitely inevitable. Um so like have a very singular mindset that like the Western standard, like, is the right standard, and I think we will pigeonhole. So we'll definitely pigeonhole not just American political leaders, but like also average citizens as well. Um, so because then most of them just like, never look outside of like U.S. or just the Western. Well, yeah, from
0: right? from day one, the Bitcoin and then the eventual like new altcoin Ethereum and then now the crypto community that we call ourselves from day one. We all existed in IRC chat rooms and forum chat rooms that don't ask where you're from, the color of your skin, yeah, things yeah, like right. that. It yeah, was a exactly, username. Right. So we were yeah, globalized yeah. citizens from day one. That was the whole point yeah, of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's the meta-solvent. So I think in the future, like all this and meta-solvent movement gonna converge and like, especially after this COVID thing. And one thing I think we can all agree on is we deserve better governments, right? So we deserve, like all of us, we deserve like better governors. Like, no, so no matter as mainland Chinese or like American or just like a British citizen. And so I think that's one consensus that like that we can reach on. And, but on the contrary, all just that, all these are more, so like all the modern like political leaders. And so their job is not reaching consensus. So do you see the conflict there? So like, so like a small group of people that who are in the power. So they basically, the default mode is to fight with each other. Um, So it can be bipartisan fight. It can be geopolitical fight. And um, so the whole system is just not working like as it's supposed to. Um, So we basically need something that's meta-solvent and like something parallel. And and so we can reach consensus like much easier. And so Bitcoin eventually is a consensus system, right? So um, like so like the, so like the market efficient about-
0: consensus, it's market efficient consensus. It's, 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 it's making what was brilliant about Bitcoin is that it took greed and it tokenized it. It said, okay, we understand that we're going to the we need to build consensus and then we're all going to be fighting with each other. But if we make it where we're financially incentivized to get to a consensus together, then that's, that's what will motivate us.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so like there's basically no rent seeking and there's no mm. monopolize of power that like you can sit on it forever. So so yeah, so I think like when you're saying uh how to do information arbitrage or like or, or like because of like things that you don't know or like things like you have no visibility to like doesn't mean that they don't exist, right? And um and so and like the other thing is that what's good about like what's good about this like power struggle is um so China, Japan and like Korea and uh so it's much easier for us like to learn like what's going on like from the US. And so because you mentioned like at the very beginning, like there's a lot of this like counterfeit problem and just um Chinese entrepreneur like basically copy whatsoever in the US and like just like, bring that and then have some minor innovation and mm-hmm. then make you localize. And so I think at the very beginning, it's true uh, because it's much easier for us to learn what's going on uh, from the U.S. and like the most cutting-edge thing. And But it's harder. So right now, I think we're at a, so we are at this like diverging point. Um, there's a lot of major innovation, like original innovation happening within the, so just that uh, within think Chinese community, Japanese community, Korean community. Um, but I think the barrier, like the know-how barrier is, so it's much much higher for the American. Um, so it's much harder for Americans so to understand like what's going on there. So I, it might be yes. language barriers or like cultural barriers. No, barrier, it's a cultural barrier.
0: Like... like the whole. Did you, I was joking around the other day with the BitMEX folks because they released their book. BitMEX released a book that I I yeah. recommend everyone read. Like, the, the Block Size War. So block Size
1: but War. I, yeah.
0: But I was joking around to to some of the folks at BitMEX, and I said. The whole thing was just because of miscommunication. The whole block size debate was just all miscommunication and, and cultural and social differences. That's all it was, I feel like, at the end of the day. Uh, I think partially
1: and so I think like partially is communication or like loss in loss in translation. Mm-hmm. Um uh largely I think is a ego fight. Yes. Um like like Jihan's ego and um, so I forgot so, about
0: Jihan. So, is he still around? Oh my God. I haven't heard that name in forever.
1: Like Jihan is, uh, so like he's still around, like he has been pretty, uh, low profile. And so, uh, so I think he recently done with the fight with, uh, his co-founder and, um, yeah. Oh. So I think he pays off for his ego, uh, in a pretty high cost, yes. uh, by like, so like the cost of his um like the power position within Bitmain and like the trust from the investors and a lot of people learned uh, from that too. Yeah, exactly. So I think like that's what all like all these like B cashers shares. Uh, so like all these like, B cashers and they so they all share this like weird ego problem to some hostility. extent. Hostility. They have a hostility. Um, and, now. yeah, so like that's just my observation. So it seems like most of this like high profile uh BCH just, like, just, like, be cashers and, and so they all have some, like, 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 weird ego problem, and so I think, like, Charlie, you might have, like, more insights towards that, but, um, yeah, so, like, that's just my read, and, and, the only way. and I think, like, the other thing, like, if you, like, if we talk about the whole, like, the forking history, and there's a lot of people that's being very, um, like, very undervalued, just said local Chinese Bitcoiner, and so they have, fought like like bitterly with Jihan, but but like they're so they're like probably not known by the Western community. So so I think like after this like big man drama and there's like a narrative that miners are evil, uh, but that's not necessarily true. And so there's a lot of like git miners, so at least like chaotic git miners, chaotic good Chinese miners out there, like like uh so they have supported, so they have like so so they're on yeah. the right side at the very beginning so yes um it wasn't yeah, fair so- that
0: they it became de- minor bitcoin miners became demonized unfairly and that, that it's finally thawing but that block size debate unfairly pitched miners against the rest of the community but that wasn't that's not yeah. it was just all wrong all the the words that were used the the the, the arguments were all red herrings it was just some of the the most demoralizing time uh, in our whole industry, but it's a great, but you needed it to happen. We needed to figure out mm-hmm. how yep. to like break and reach consensus. Just the same thing like the 2017 ICO world needed to happen because we learned from that. We would, these these now companies that are, that are raising money, they're learning how to do treasury management, how to manage all of this money that they're raising, how to do it the right way. The standards are higher. The regu- self-regulatory organizations that we have The standards, the, the investors that are investing are, have much more moral high ground now where they're forcing Mm -hmm. the companies to like, like you, you're forcing your, 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 your startup founders and your investors to like maintain certain standards. And for example, like how even tokens are released to the founders and the advisors, like simple things like that are changing. But I want to ask you a question and I kind of want to, because I was having this conversation with someone in the elevator this morning and then I was like, oh, I'm speaking to Dovi Wan later. And then he's like, oh. Like, cause he's a part of a, um, the team at, at Voyager. And I was like, uh-huh. uh, we were talking about open finance. So we're talking yeah. about open finance and how, if you look at open source code uh-huh. and that the blockchains that we have today, and let's assume that the whole world as we know it, the whole, not just financial world, but the whole credit and capital markets, mortgage, home equity lines of credit. How you do, you know, if you want to get a factory in China to, to make a product for you and how it gets over, all the financial money movement in the whole world, let's just assume that that's eventually going to move over to this mix of like open source software and then closed blockchains that are public or enterprise, but they still all have to talk to each other. Do you think that's where we're ending up? And then if you, if you, if you take that question... And you remember the conversation that we had earlier with, with the Chinese and the American team. If we eventually, like a, a, a team that we're like debating how they can have economic cooperation over the next 10 years, if we're moving towards a digital open source economic cooperation, globalized humanity, what they're talking about up in Alaska, does it matter? Who cares? Why do we need governments to make economic cooperation if we can do it on our own?
1: Um... Yeah, I think that's a meta question for sure. Yeah, um, it's a meta question. So I think...
0: That's like my okay. whole podcast. I asked right. very broad questions.
1: I know, I know. Yeah, so so I think eventually we will probably get there, but uh, I think in between, so there will be a... So there will be a... Um, I think like there will be uh, like a turning point and like a turning point, something as a, like a Brendan would like you said like, the Brendanwood 2.0 type of thing right hmm. and so if you think about this uh like us dollar like us dollar is weakening weakening um yes. and so a lot of so many other central banks around the world like, and they're just like offloading uh like us treasury uh, as their own reserve and like so like starting from russia right and that's so that's the like, reason the russia...
0: yield is going up people don't realize
1: yeah yeah they mm-hmm.
0: they're dumping treasuries
1: and 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 so, like United States for like last 40, 50 years, and has been exporting is inflation. So like that's why it can keep the inflation rate ha- uh, low. Um, because as long as so as long as like the world commodity is actually denominated and traded by the US dollar and they can just like keep printing and like export like the inflation and then basically have the other central bank, so like have the other central bank's foreign uh, exchange reserve. Like as so like ask the Fats, so like ask the Fats um, ATM machine, right? And, and so like that's yes. how the current fiat system um, is working. Um, I think it will gradually, it will collapse. And like so it's not like collapse, collapse, but there will be like a turning point, like a all diversification bankers, away
0: like, from the dollar, maybe? Like it's like just a diversification away from the dollar or like a new global yeah. fiat SDR? reserve standard. Yeah. So yeah, co- so
1: like there, so I think like there will be like a turning point that all these central bankers have like have to sit together and like talk about like what gonna be the so like what gonna be the ultimate uh, denomination. Um and because like all the bankers, like so like all the central bankers and like political leaders and they cannot build trust with each other, right? So um uh, like so to say like, like we have discussed, and because like their whole job is not forming consensus. Um, so they have to go, so they have to go with something that's no one can control, like that's meta sovereign. that's not in the hand of the, so like that's not in the hand of individual uh, nation-state, and, and, and so it can be gold, it can be Bitcoin, Wait, like it can be anything. You're that's telling
0: me that the move to a Bitcoin like reserve standard won't come from like the people, but rather it'll be decided by nation states because they'll they'll need a reserve asset that none of them can control is that is that kind of what you're saying
1: i think the bottom-up movement like okay so the top-down movement and so like the top-down movement is okay central bank will realize that right and like the bottom-up movement uh does not like contradictory so it's so it is not contradictory with that top-down movement as well so like it can happen simultaneously, yeah, that's so like crazy. basically, the, so like the converging point is. So I think the converging point is okay. Um, like average citizen realized, like, like cash is just shitcoin, right? So fiat is shitcoin, and they will. So they were also chasing yield. So they were also chasing yield and like chasing basically like chasing the maintenance. Uh, like chasing the um. So chasing preservation yeah, of your cha- purchase you're,
0: power. You're chasing, yeah, you're chasing, it's the chasing the yield. You said it right first. It's, it's, it's your, your, if the coffee costs $1 today and it may cost $2 a year from now, I need to make sure I can turn that $1 into $2 one year from now. Um, you're protecting your purchasing yeah. power. So you right, can buy that exactly. same product today versus next year without having to spend more money.
1: Right. And, and so all the central bankers, so they have to, they have to chase whatever yield out there as well because, like, they have to make sure, like, their, like, pension is still working in, like, 50 years. And so we, I think we all know that the U.S. Social Security program, like, is actually pretty shaky. And and so they probably cannot pay off, like, the full, like, probably Mm -hmm. cannot pay the full amount, like, in about 20 years. And, And so that there's a lot of this, uh like aging population problem and uh like all the governments are facing right now and and i think like if so like so like that's why everybody is saying okay it's fine we can so we can basically print all our way like into mnt and just like the bank of japan set us a really good example um but the problem with japan is
0: Japan income. was the first one their... to do it, right? Japan was the first one to do it in like 1973. They invented QE. It's yeah, actually right. a Japanese so, term.
1: So like the problem with Japan though is um like there's just no vibrancy. So like I'm not sure you've lived in that society, but, but like the vibrancy is yeah. just not no, there. And so it's kind of sad. Like, so like if they I, call it the
0: lost so, decades, right? They call it the lost era. Like mm-hmm. the Japanese people will call and they, it keeps extending because their GDP is not since the seventies. So it's flattened. it's yeah, just so flat. It's like
1: everything is flat. So it's like everything is flat. It's kind of sad. Like even, like even sexual activity, dude, like sexual. Yeah. Activity, they won't
0: married kids. Nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think it's definitely a declining society and I don't, so I think that's like a very dystopian future. Like if, no, economies. because it,
0: it's the future of America. People don't realize that the whole Japanese economic system that was built by America after World War II to counteract the communism that was growing in, in, in Asia. So they pumped America, printed had all this money. They put it all into Japan. Why? You ever wonder why, like, post-colonial, like, when America colonized Japan, everyone was so happy and they were friends. American and Japanese are best friends. Like when, when have you ever seen, you know, someone colonizing another country and their best friends? It's because of the amount of money that was America built up, but they built it up, like you said, on this long-term exporting of inflation to the rest of the world, but that's running out. So what's happening in Japan could be a future view of what could happen in the United States. Yeah.
1: And so it's kind of, so it's pretty sad for me because I, whenever never. Uh, so whenever I visit, so when so whenever I visit Japan, and you can see, um, just my grandpa, like age, like pretty old dude. When they're like still working really hard, they're like driving taxi, and they're just like working at a convenience shop, and twenty four seven shift, and and so it's kind of sad. And so I think the social safety net is actually not there, and a lot of people literally just die alone, and so they basically die in their tiny apartment and for like 30 days and like no one knows about it and i think it's very sad and um so like i remember like like i so i remember like i so i so when so when we talk about this and so with my another bitcoin reference and japan has been through this uh, extremely extravagant so it's like very luxury and like extravagant days like um uh just like right before the collapse right and. So I think it's just like, like sound money, like leads to, so like sound money as Bitcoin. And so like sound money will eventually lead to uh, diligence and bad money, basically fiat. And so bad money will, so bad money will lead to extravagance. And so I think it's a completely two like different, like paradigm. And because a like, consumer, so it's like consumerism, um, like has enslaved a lot of us right and and so people just like keep spending just like keep spending and and um and then like all the merchants and just like brands and so they're basically launching minor differences and just like admit your selection sure um like a lot harder and money's and cheap so, right now yeah so so like just, this is just not sustainable and this so this is just not sustainable and like will collapse at like a turning point and
0: yeah could they so like when you when when for for the past 30 or 40 years the dollar wasn't a representation of the american worker the dollar was like a representation of the global worker because we were exporting inflation we were loaning out money to all these third world countries in the beginning our you know uh Economically undeveloped places and forcing them to pay it back in dollars too at certain rates. So we're exporting that. And it's relying on the fact that when we print $5 trillion that we just printed this year, whatever it was, we're relying on the fact that we can grow the economy fast enough to counteract how cheap money is. And and counteract that that inflation, but that never will end up being because, yeah. yeah. So I think like the problem is like when you
1: just have like this like, massive like liquidity flush the market and like you basically cannot control where this liquidity is going, right? And, and so like the, so the liquidity is not going to, like small to medium business and to uh, have like better like salary of the workers, like things like that. So all the liquidity basically flush into the financial system and yes. like like pushing all the asset price. So like, that's why you can see like inflation is low because the like, inflation is just reflection of the CPI and like, like does not include, okay, just say like, the college tuition, the Medicare cost and like the asset prices. And, and, and so Basically, the liquidity goes into something like what's considered as a like store of value. Could the right? dollar ever so, be
0: backed by Bitcoin? Could you see the dollar be backed by Bitcoin, just like the dollar was backed by gold at one point?
1: Yeah, or any kind. So I think gonna be so gonna be portionally, just like probably like partially backed by Bitcoin. So like that's not like entirely possible. Um, and I think so. Okay. So the weird thing right now is, uh, think about Tesla, right? So like, if I think about the Tesla gameplay. I think it's super smart because like tesla so if like tesla wants to borrow money um so the bond rate so like it's so i think it's so it's like bond rate is basically junk right so it's a like higher end of like the junk rating sure and so it's kind of hard for like tesla to borrow money directly and but like they can actually like issue more shares and just to sell the shares and then have the cash and then and then now they have over 10% of their just like the cash on the balance sheet just like, like, like sits in the form of Bitcoin. And because Bitcoin is a very pristine collateral, and now they can actually borrow against Bitcoin.
0: Is there any better collateral in the world than Bitcoin right now?
1: Uh okay, so depends. Like depends on how so depends on what is your underwriting criteria, right? And and so I think probably real estate and property. Just a property in some very like like prime location, and and so probably can be as good as Bitcoin. Um, but other than that, if we consider liquidity and uh, like liquidity and like um global pricing and like all that, and like Bitcoin is definitely the best. And so how easy it so, is to
0: use, yeah.
1: Yeah, so so I think like the gameplay for Tesla is super smart, and like Tesla stock itself is part of the uh. Nasdaq 100 index, and because the Fed right now has to, so it has to go purchase and so like so basically, Fed is effectively buying a Bitcoin backing, um yeah you're right index right so so like if you think about this like circulation that's how it starts yeah yeah so so it becomes super weird and, and so people probably don't realize that. But effect, so, but effectively, these two parallel universes, these are two different mantra systems, they're already interacting with each other uh, at a pretty core level
0: i uh, i'm trying to I'm trying to, like, understand I'm trying to understand how. like when i missed that turning point like when like right now if i tell you find me someone in the world that won't settle a trade or a debt with some bitcoin if there's a someone has a debt anywhere in the world right now and if if someone tried to repay that debt with bitcoin or collateralize something i don't think there are very many people in the world as we know it that won't say this is stupid no i won't do it because even if they do they know that Bitcoin, even if they think Bitcoin is the dumbest thing in the world, they know that it's the most liquid, dumbest thing in the world. So, when did I miss that? When was that turning point? Was it recent or was it a long time ago? It's kind of crazy.
1: Uh, so, I think another just like, just probably not like, not even Bitcoin. And so, because, so there's a lot of like this, like thought before, right? Yeah. And one thing I think a lot of westerners um, missing is like Tether or just the USDT. USDT itself like like you said right now Bitcoin has been like the acceptance rate for Bitcoin as a median of exchange or like whatever claro is so it's like, extremely high, right? Yeah. And but like even before that, so I think like the Tether story yeah. is also a good um I think also a really good representation of that um so tether's liquidity in mainland china is so good and local chinese like does not care whether it is 100% backed by us dollar because that as long as someone so as long as my counterparty is willing to trade with me at close to 1 to 1 pack and like i don't have to so i don't have to worry whether like yeah. at the end of the day whether like tether can actually redeem that or not right so Because the liquidity is so, so it's basically deep enough. And so my counterparty is okay to accept that. Then I can trade. So, so like, so I basically don't care whether like Tether can eventually go redeem it uh, for it or not. So, currency business at the end of the day is just a trust and consensus business. And then all this like currency becomes just a pure symbol. So, um,
0: like the dollar started. Because it was a gold, well, silver and gold backed currency. And then the world believed the world as a whole believed in gold. So when the dollar was like, it's going to be backed by gold, the dollar was just basically like the first gold ETF. It was that people could buy dollars to have an easy way to get in and out of gold. But then the dollar got off the gold standard. And so what you're saying is it didn't like just collapse, but what we're seeing is this kind of like the dollar is all trust now. It's all based on trust. Yep. So if, if the dollar just loses that trust even one time on the world stage, it's over. Um, and I actually have a great story for you. I have a great story to, to explain this to yeah. everyone. Uh-huh. When I was in prison, the, the, the currency in prison was the mackerel, a fish, uh, 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 like you could buy, <laughs> you know, you can buy, in the grocery store single uses of tuna fish or any fish you like uh-huh, you can uh-huh. put on crackers in a sandwich and eat it yeah in prison and, and I'll talk to you like all the attributes but the most the 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 currency that was used in prison uh-huh. that you can use to go to commissary you can get someone to give you a haircut a personal trainer yeah, at the yeah, gym yeah. there was yeah. a whole economy multi tens of that was the mackerel was the fish and in my locker I would have like stacks of them it would my savings <laughs> I had a job. Everyone had a job. We all had run out of the hustle. Everyone worked in the economy yeah. and yeah. this was our, um, currency. So if, look, 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 at mackerel for a second. It's like the gold backed dollar. So mackerel was already, be- it's, it's already had utility outside of prison. So everyone knew already coming into it. So these mackerel packets were just a way to have a physical representation of value that we already had agreed upon outside in the world. And this is a pure symbolic, right? Yeah, purely symbolic. But at the same time that had, it was, it had a built in deflationary system because you could only, (laughs) only 500 inmates were in this, in, in the prison, every inmate could only buy 14 mackerel from the commissary once a week. So the inflation Mm -hmm. rate was 500 times 14. So it's like Bitcoin, yeah. we knew what the inflation yeah. rate was, but on top yeah. of that, I would say 20% or maybe even 30%, maybe even 50 of mackerel were actually eaten. They were eaten. Mm-hmm. I would eat them after, like I would save them and I would accept it as payment because every day when I went to the gym and I came back from the gym, there was no better source of protein with, with mm-hmm. low carbohydrates on the whole combat. I would yeah. make a bowl of yeah. rice. I put fish in it. I put cheese You know, You can yeah. make a great dish. Then what yeah. happened? Inmates are in, unfortunately in prison for a very long time, like 30 years, 40 years. The mackerel doesn't last that long in the packets. It uh, expires yeah. in like 10 years or eight years or whatever. Same thing. Let's look at that now as the transitioning of the dollar from a gold-backed currency to a just by federal decree fiat. So what happened was one day I was getting a soda and I asked the guy who was selling sodas near my bunk, how much is this soda? And he said, well, you can give me one mackerel or you can give me two of these money Macs. And I said, what's a money Mac? And he told me it's expired mackerel. So there was another currency that exists that had a two to one exchange rate of expired fish. So had no utility it couldn't eat it anymore. Why would it trade? But it did. Right now, when I was in jail, I had savings. I had mackerel that I could eat, but then you had the expired ones. And so uh-huh. you could go to someone and buy something like the personal trainer who would charge you two mackerel. He would say, if you only have money, money max, the expired ones, you can give me four. So here I am getting a guy to train me in the gym. And I'm giving him four of these oily expired. packets of expired <laughs> fish that have no. Like you can't eat them anymore. And here I'm like, I'm not, I'm a student of economics. I'm not an economist by any means, but I'm a student of economics. I love studying and theorizing like you, like all these different monetary theory. And I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Right. Okay. So here we go. This is where your story came in. What did you just say to me a minute ago? You said that the biggest problem with like stimulus and all these things is that The money doesn't go to small businesses. It doesn't go. It just gets pumped into the financial markets. And so there's no way to say that if this, if we print money and it's evenly distributed again, uh, to people that are going to be the workers, like pushing the economy forward, then it doesn't work. Printing money doesn't work. Right. So, so what happened was, um, what happened was one day there was an inmate who had like like, I think like 30% of the whole supply of these money max or 50% of the whole supply of just the money mackerels he had, he was like hoarding them. And mm-hmm. one day the administration kicked him out. I forgot. I think he got sent away somewhere and the administration didn't know that the money max actually were the currency of prison. They didn't know this. Mm-hmm. The market cap mm-hmm. was probably like $20,000. There's probably $20,000 mm-hmm. worth of these expired fish. It's circulating in this prison right now. Do you know what happened? They took, they basically printed stimulus. They took all the expired mackerel and they just left it in the room, in the cafeteria for anyone to take And overnight because they debased it by 30% almost, it lost all of its value. The money max ceased to exist the next day. You couldn't trade it anymore. It collapsed as a whole currency. People's life savings got wiped away. Same thing can happen to the dollar. I've been preaching it for years. I don't want it to happen. My savings is in the dollar. But it can happen. And unfortunately it's scary.
1: Yeah, so I think like that's why like all the stimulus, like literally just goes to like any kind of like SOV, right? It's like any kind of possible SOV. Um, like people don't care about like risk anymore. It's just as long as it can like as long as it can keep up, just like like just like keep going up in value and and so like that's what they're like that's what they're looking for and then also i think nowadays i see a phenomenon that um many of my peers or like even my so and probably the younger generation as well um they don't want to work like like they don't want to have like an actual job and so they're basically a trader so it's a full-time trader it's a full-time degen um and i think that's a phenomenon i have seen in both us and like china um so like like young people don't want to be founders because uh because building a real company a like a real business is pretty hard and why not just why not just like gamble in the stock market and well uh, why not just like degen right and uh i think it's like a very oh, bad like downward. So, it, so it's, a, it's so scary. it's a really bad like yeah, so it's a very bad like downward um like spiraling loop. Um so like fewer and like fewer fewer and fewer talents wants to go to the uh actual like productivity, like like the actual industry, like they can yield productivity, but, but all goes to the industry, like they would just say like, purely just say like, like yielding yields. And it's just weird.
0: I think we're both in agreement, but I like, I want to try to like leave off some optimism here. And of course, you know, buy Bitcoin is always the message, but what can people do? What can governments do to like level it off here and to prevent us from going into this like crazy, you know, hyperinflation dollar devaluation world that we could potentially go into?
1: I think the problem is right now the whole Fed system is not independent anymore and it's basically a political, yeah. so it's like a toolkit for this bipartisan like political game, right? And um if the Fed cannot be independent and like if the Fed cannot just make um uh, like economically reasonable decision, uh I just don't know. So because the Fed yeah. is right now kidnapped by the whole like the physical, so like by by the entire physical policy, and it is not monetary policy anymore. So it's more as a like a like a combo of like fiscal policy, right? Uh, so I personally I have little hope, um, and especially like given the American political system, uh, like we have seen its weakness and and. And it's like every four Mm. years and like there will be a gigantic moment of like inefficiency and, and this, so I think the drama is just not fear, not even worth paying attention at all. But like, we just say waste so much, like, like energy, time and like, just like resources, like as like a whole society. And, And so like this, so they basically, it's like no point, right? Um, so, so like, just like when we invest in a company and like the founder is the most premium asset of that company right and I think for a so I think it is the same for a nation state like the leader of that nation state sets the ceiling of mm. the future growth um so from that perspective I'm very like pessimistic uh, on the future of us in general um so I'm very optimistic. For countries like singapore to be honest uh like because as uh, singapore first of all is like small and so it's very small it's operate just like so like the nation operates uh like a company and so it's like highly efficient uh and then also it's a really good hybrid of sure so it's a really good hybrid of the west and the east um so i'm very and it's bullish being
0: studied. on singapore it's being i'm bullish too it's being it's being studied because Coronavirus taught us that there could be positive trade-offs with centralization in some way. Not that I'm, a, I'm an advocate for it, but I guess the whole point of like life and the whole point of this show and everything is that the things that you were taught as a kid are probably not true. And if anything that you do or trade off of or work or converse is based off of information or things that someone told you, Maybe it's time that we go and we like look into that for ourselves and try to make our own decisions. You know, there is, look, I had a tweet today about it too. I said, people don't realize that the power is in the people. I I, I write on every check that I write or every letter I write. If I write you a letter, I always sign it with Vires in Numeris, strength in numbers. That's all we have. We are the global worker. It's beautiful. Thank you, Dovi, for coming on Untold Stories today. I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Charlie. Yeah.